0: Hey, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm glad that you're here this morning. So as you can tell, we are starting a new sermon series this morning, which is titled, What Keeps You Up at Night? And so last week after Easter, uh, I began to think about, okay, what are the things that keep me up at night? And thinking about this series a little bit, I thought, what if the first message in this series was whatever kept me up at night, you know, sometime this week? And so Sunday night, I go to bed, and I wake up in the middle of the night, just like the sermon title series says, and I wake up in the middle of the night because my dog is whining to go outside because she has to go outside and either throw up or have diarrhea. I'm not sure I didn't watch that closely. So anyway, so I thought the first sermon could be what keeps you up at night is your dog. So if you would open up your Bible to 1st K935, we'll get started. No, This is series. Uh, I'm excited about this because what we're doing is we're talking for four weeks about what are the things that keep us up at night? What are the things that kind of occupy our minds? What are the things that bug us? What are the things that bother us? And so some people are kind of night thinkers. So you try and go to bed and your mind is just racing, 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 and you, you can't get to sleep because you're worried or bothered or preoccupied with something that's just on your mind. Some people are people who wake up in the middle of the night, it's 2 a.m. and you can't get back to sleep because you're thinking about whatever the issue is. Or maybe you wake up really early in the morning. Or Some people are more of day worriers that during your day, you start getting, instead of focusing on what you're supposed to be focusing on, you get thinking towards whatever it is that's bothering you. And I'm just curious, um, we've titled this, What Keeps You Up at Night, which is sort of a, a way of talking about these things, but in a practical way, how many of you have ever, and I'm guessing this is most, but how many of you have ever, you can't get to sleep, raise your hands, you couldn't get to sleep, or you wake up in the middle of the night, you're preoccupied, raise your hands, okay, okay, that's like 100%, good, okay. Um, so we all understand what this is talking about. Um, we could do, next week it would be like babies crying in the middle of the night would keep us up, but that's not one of the topics. But... I share this, um, here's what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks so you have an idea of what's coming. Today, we're going to talk about stress and how do we deal with stress in our lives. And then next week, we're going to talk about conflict, mainly conflict in personal relationships and how that keeps us up at night, keeps us preoccupied, and it bugs us. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about fear, kind of fear of the future, different fears that we have. And then the final week, we're going to talk about Decisions. when we have decisions to make and we can't figure out which way to go, how do we go about making those, what part part does God play in it? And what we're going to talk about, the theme that's going to run through this whole message series is this idea that living God's way is better. Living God's way is better. And that's one of the core values that we have at our church. Living God's way is better. But we could also switch it just a little bit, for the purpose of this series, and say living God's way helps us sleep better at night, because what we do at River Ridge Church is we talk about what does the Bible say about how to live life, and we're going to see answers from the Bible, from God's Word, about how it is that we can deal with the stress in our lives. What does God say about that? So we can live life the way that's intended to live. So let's pray this morning, Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for the time that we have today to look into your word, to consider our lives. I pray that we would have a good uh, just introspection, a good analysis of stress in our lives and the things that cause us that worry and pain. I pray that you would speak to us and show us the answers about how to move forward. ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So statistically speaking, let me give you a couple things about stress and see if these are true of you, if you'd fall into these categories or not. One out of three people feel that they're living in what they would classify or quantify as extreme stress. So one out of every three people in this auditorium this morning would say, I have something that is extremely stressful going on in my life right now. Are you one of those three, or are you happy to be one of the two in this case? Here's another one. Nearly half the people feel like their stress level has gone up in the last five years. So whatever's going on in your life five years ago, what's going on now, you feel like there's more stress now in your life than there was five years ago. And then this last statistic talks about the symptoms, that seven out of ten people experience symptoms, physical symptoms related to stress of anger or irritability or fatigue or as we're talking about, sleep problems, sleep deprivation. So it seems to be a pretty common thing in our church... In America, probably the world over, of stress, what is it that people are stressing about? What is it that causes you stress in your life? I look again, I was doing a little research this week and looked on some top 10 lists or some top uh, internet lists, and you can find top 5, top 7, top 10, top 25 things that cause stress in your life. And what was interesting as I looked and did a little bit of research and compared these different uh, lists is that there was... A little bit of similarity, but there was a lot of dissimilarity between these top 10 lists or these top 5, top 7 lists. It wasn't like all 5 appeared on the top 7 and all 7 appeared on the top 10 and all 10 appeared on the top 25. But what that shows me is that each person has different things going on in their lives. Each of us has different things that cause stress, cause us to lay awake at night because we can't get to sleep because of stressful things going on in our life. Which leads us to the conclusion that life is what causes stress, right? Life just is stressful, just the way, the nature of life. And so we we don't have the option of opting out of life. Well, I'm just not going to do life, so I won't have any stress. But instead, what we want to do is we want to figure out how can we navigate the stress? How can we do some adjustments with what God says to reduce the level of stress and the frequency of stress and the intensity of stress in our own lives, and as interesting, the, again, in this research, there are stress-relieving items that you can buy. So maybe you have one of these, you've got like one of these little squishy balls. You have a little squishy ball that like, whenever you feel stress, squeeze the ball, squeeze the ball, right? Or here's another one in a similar family. It's, these are stress emoji balls, Right. And and I looked at those. I'm like, well, those are kind of neat. But then I'm I'm thinking, am I supposed to squeeze them, like, based on my emotion now? Or do I squeeze them getting on the emotion that I want to have into the future, right? So emoji balls. Uh, Here's another one. This is a bit odd, out of my comfort level, but a Zen garden. You could purchase a Zen garden, and you could rake the little rocks and sand, and apparently that will relieve stress. But if none of those work, if none of those work, you have one more option here. Uh, and it's called a darn it ball, <laughs> doll. So you take that thing, it doesn't actually, you have to use the alternate spelling to darn it, you know what I'm saying. Um, but, but apparently you take this thing and you pull the arms and legs apart and stretch it out and that will relieve your stress. And, you know, and maybe some of you guys have a darn it ball or by another name or a stress ball or, or a Zen. Anybody have a Zen garden like that? Okay. Um, but you know, those will relieve stress temporarily, but I don't think any of those really will provide the lasting answers and solutions to stress in our lives that we're looking for. And so what we want to do is we want to look at God's Word and say, what does God say about it? And so in a minute, we're going to look at two passages, and these passages are are fairly different from each other, but I picked two passages this morning instead of one because as we look at stress in our lives, the, the underlying reason, the underlying diagnosis for stress comes from one of two very broad areas. And these are very broad. One of them is this. If this. Is the stress issue in our lives, is it caused by a pace issue? Is stress a pace issue or a shortage issue? In other words, we don't have enough of what we need to to go around. So we don't have enough hours in the day to get everything done that we want to get done. We don't have enough money in our bank account to pay all the bills that need to get paid. We don't have enough hours in our day with our jobs to do what needs to be done with all that our job requires or our boss requires or maybe even what we put out there of what we expect of ourselves. And so we get stressed out because we don't have enough of whatever we need. And so stress is the result. And I want to show this to you in kind of a visual way is I brought with me some balloons. And so what a lot of times we do in life, could, could you get that for me? Thank you. This is, this is not part of the illustration. This is just bad hands, right? But what we do in life, thank you, uh, but what we do in life is we try and juggle too much and we try and keep all these balloons floating in our lives. And we I got to get the work and, I have to, and we have too much going on and then balls drop and then we try and get them up and we... There you go. We'll leave those over there. But you see, that's an illustration of life. We're frantic trying to keep everything, all the balls from dropping, and it adds the stress of what's going to happen if the balloon, if the balls drop, if the plate stop spinning. What's going to happen if we don't get everything done the way that we want to get it done? That's one broad category. Is the stress in your life, is it a pace issue or a shortage of something issue? Here's the second question or the second area Is the stress that you're experiencing a trust issue where you're having difficulty trusting in some way, trusting somebody else, trusting God? And and a lot of this, the stress that comes from the trust issue has to do with control because we want to control everything in our lives. And when we're not able to control everything, and there is a ton in life that we can't control, then what happens is we get stressed out. And so, again, if we use the balloon analogy, it's, you know, we, we have enough. We can keep it going, but we get stressed out because, oh, my goodness, it's going to it's fall off the stage. It's going to fall off the stage. And then it's going to have to rescue it again. And we try to keep it up, but we get freaked out because, like, oh, if it hits the ground, what's going to happen? It's going to pop. Oh, it didn't pop. It's okay. You know, but we have this mentality of stressing out because we don't trust that things are going to turn out okay in our lives, or we don't like the outcome that they may go towards. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at two different passages in the, in the Bible this morning. The first one comes from Luke chapter 10. So if you brought your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me, or you can download the River Ridge app and click Bible there. So this is a story. We'll pick it up in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, Now as they went on their way. Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So we've got this situation going on where Jesus is in town. The town is actually called Bethany. Jesus is in this little town, comes to Mary's house and Martha's house, and is there with his disciples, uh, and they're probably in their traveling party. There's probably about 12 or 15 of them. And so Martha is in the process of trying to get dinner ready, you know, cooking the potatoes, blowing the rice, making the bread, whatever went into the dinner at that point, she's in the process of getting ready this ready. There's a lot to do when you prepare a meal for that many people. Meanwhile, it says that Mary, on the other hand, is sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to Jesus speak. And then Martha comes to Jesus and says, would you tell Mary to help me? Now, my guess is that there was more leading up to Martha telling Jesus to have Mary help her. Because, you know, in my house or in your house, we usually try and send some nonverbal clues, don't we? Right? So we've, you know, we're making dinner and we're angry. And so we don't just close the refrigerator we slam the refrigerator door. We don't just set the pot down. We set it down, you know, harshly. You know, you, you, that look of death that you give, you know, the death stare. You're like, going to come in and help me? You know, I'm sure there was some of that going on, but that Mary instead sits at Jesus feet and so Martha becomes so frustrated that she tells Jesus and it's just interesting there's not a whole lot of places where somebody tells Jesus what to do but it very rarely goes well when you tell Jesus what to do ask him usually goes better but says she says tell speaks to him and says tell Mary to get over here and help me out so this is what happens doesn't go the way that she wants but the lord answered her Martha Martha You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. The answer that Martha gets is not what Martha expects. She says to Jesus, tell Mary to come help me. And Jesus really goes the opposite direction and says, no, 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 Martha, what Mary has chosen is better than what you've chosen. It really, her question kind of backfires on her. But, you know, we hear this story. At least I hear the story. I think most of us hear the story. And we in this room, we're doers. We like action. We're, we tend to be doers of always doing, doing, doing. And we look at this, and we kind of want to side with Martha, don't we? We're like, there's 15 people over for dinner. I mean, dinner's not going to make itself here. And we go... What's going on here? Why is that? But yet we need to look at the story and go, what was the problem? Was it more than just dinner had to be made? Or maybe was there a little bit more going on here? And I want to highlight for us just a couple of phrases in these few verses to help us to understand what's going on. Verse 41, Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled. Anxious and troubled, what does that mean? Stressed out. Martha, Martha, you are stressed. And would Jesus say that to us in our lives right now? Matt, Matt, you're stressed out. Fred, Fred, you're stressed out. Emily, Emily, you're stressed out. Would God say that to you? You're stressed out. You're anxious and troubled. Why is that? Because of what we see in verse 40. It says, Martha was distracted With much serving. It says that Martha was distracted. She wasn't doing what she should have been doing or could have been doing in terms of sitting at the feet of Jesus. Why? It says she was distracted with much serving. She was too busy. The pace of her life was too much. She had too much going on. And because she had too much going on, of we have to get this meal ready, we have to do this, and you know, we don't know the full story of what's going on. We're just given a glimpse. But maybe she was preparing this elegant, extravagant meal, and it didn't need to be prepared. Or maybe it wasn't even mealtime, but she felt like she had to do this. But it says she was distracted because she was doing too much. The pace of her life was just, there was too much there, and that was causing her stress. Then in verse 42, look at this phrase. It says, but one thing is necessary. This is what Mary was doing. What was necessary? At that time, at that point in time, it was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Why did he say it was necessary? Because of what it says in the next little part. It says, Mary has chosen the good portion. Mary chose what was better. Martha, I want us to understand this. Martha is stressed out because she's not doing the right things. She's trying to to do too much, and that's why she ends up stressed out. So here's, as we're looking at what's the solution, I'll put it this way. If it's a pace issue, if the stress in our life is a pace issue, then we need to prioritize well. We need to prioritize our lives. Part of that is prioritizing our time, because again, we live at this frantic pace We've got work and we've got volunteer stuff and we've got kids and school and wives and husbands and home projects and we just, we try and do it all. We cram it in too much. We say yes all the time without ever prioritizing what we're doing. The same thing happens with money. We don't prioritize well with our money, with our spending and now we get to this point where we're frazzled and stressed out because we don't have the money to do what we want to do. So I do, do I take out credit card debt or we don't have the money to do what I do and we can't, we can't do what's most important because we haven't prioritized well. As you think about prioritizing well, I want to give you two questions, two questions or two kind of areas to think about to help you prioritize well, and both of these have to do with time, one a very long period of time and one a very, very short period of time. But here's the first one. The first period of time is 100 years. What would it look like if you prioritize your life based on what will be of value in 100 years from now? So what's going to matter 100 years from now? Think about all the stuff in your life that you get stressed out about with time and money and other things. All that stuff, how much of that is going to matter in 100 years? Because the only thing that lasts past the end of our lifetime And with the exception of the two crying babies that left here, nobody else will be here in 100 years. They may live that long, right? But those of us who are, oh, there's one, she might live that long. But the quiet babies in here, they'll live 100 years. But my point is this, and I want to get distracted in that, but my point is this, is what matters 100 years from now? What lasts for eternity? What lasts beyond our lifetime? Really only a couple things. people, so everybody spends eternity somewhere and God. And so as we look at how do we prioritize well, we say, what matters to God and how can I affect people and their eternities? So think in terms of 100 years. And then the second is this. Think in terms of 15 minutes. Because I would challenge you to do what Mary did, is sit with Jesus for 15 minutes every day. Start your day off, read a passage, read a chapter of the Bible, and spend a little bit of time praying. Fifteen minutes a day with God will change your life. And what that will do is every day you will prioritize and God will show you what's ahead of you for that day in your life. So think in terms of 100 years and think in terms of 15 minutes. So look at the second passage. If your issue, if stress is a trust issue. So turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 says this, and this is verse 25, and we're just going to work our way through about six or eight verses here. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Okay, we read that, we go, okay, whatever Jesus says next, that's what I want. It says, do not be anxious, about your life. Okay, do not be stressed out. That's what I, don't be anxious. Okay, how do I do that? And then it goes on. Jesus goes on speaking. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And, and he asks us a number of these rhetorical questions. Is life more than food? Well, yeah. Is the body more than clothing? Well, of course so. So he says, so look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? It's a rhetorical question. Of course. Do you have more value than the birds of the air? And God provides for them? Of course you're more valuable. Verse 27. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? So is our stress going to help us out? If I stress out about... Anything in life, is that going to add to my lifespan? No. In fact, research would say it's the opposite. The more stress that we have, the shorter our life will live. So we stress out. It doesn't help us. It doesn't move us further. It doesn't extend our life or extend the quality of life. Then it says this And why are you anxious about clothing? So he's going to give kind of a specific example that somebody might be anxious about. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So Jesus uses this example of clothing. He says, if you worry about clothes, look at the Lilies of the field, they're dressed beautifully. They're even dressed more beautifully than one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel, Solomon, who must have been a snappy dresser for Jesus to mention him, right? But he says, they're dressed even better than that. And verse 31, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? or where shall we work, or will I have a job, or what about the house, or will I have a boyfriend, or will I make the team, or will I meet the deadline? He says, says, what good is it to worry about all of those things? And then he says this, verse 32. He says, for the Gentiles, so the Gentiles are those that don't believe in God, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So Jesus here is turning this into a spiritual issue. He's saying, if you stress because of a lack of trust, it's a spiritual issue going on. The Gentiles, they don't even believe in God, so it makes sense that they would stress out about all the stuff. But I, your heavenly Father, will meet all of your needs. But one of the reasons that we stress is we don't necessarily read that right, or we don't necessarily think that right. That what we want is we want God to meet all of our wants. And so when our wants aren't met, our desires aren't met, then we stress out because they're not met. But what Jesus says here is that God promises that He will meet our needs. He will give us what it is that we need. And then He concludes with this. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says the solution is to seek after God and God's righteousness. You see, if we will prioritize our lives around what it is that God wants for us, then that's how life goes well. That we put God first, and then he takes care of the rest. And so what that means is that we don't need to be stressed about a client meeting that's coming up. We do what we need to do and let God take care of the results. We don't need to be stressed about a medical test that's coming up. God already knows the results. We don't need to stress about that. Do what we need to do and let God take care of the rest. We don't need to stress about a test that we have to take, that we study for the test, and let God take care of the rest. This passage that Jesus taught, that Jesus gives. It is a bit confusing because you go, okay, he's talking about flowers and birds and eating and clothing. What's going? What is Jesus trying to tell us? And I want to boil it down very simply to this. If it's a trust issue that's causing stress, then focus on God's character. Then focus on God's character. You see, what Jesus was saying through all these analogies, all these illustrations, he was saying this. He was saying, God is big enough to take care of all of your needs. God will hold its the balloon. God will make sure the balloon stays in the air. God will make sure that if the balloon hits the ground that it doesn't pop. God will take care of all of your needs. But you see, what happens is we stress out because our view of God is too small. If we have a full view of God, if we understand his faithfulness and his power and his love, if we understand that, then we won't stress out because we go, God's got this, and I don't need to worry. Wasn't sure we'd have time, but we do. I want to finish with a visual illustration that's a little bit odd, um, but hopefully this will work out. So I've tapped two volunteers that know who they are and one that doesn't. So... Uh, Cameron Luss, come on up here. He's one of my volunteers. If you would stand down here. And Davin Sigmund, come on up here. Um, and then we need a, a large and strong man, uh, David Banda. Come on up here, all right? So Cameron, you're going to be down here. You're going to come up here, all right? So come on. This is David Banda. He's a large football player from Texas, also speaks fluent Spanish, and eats a lot of ham at my house. All right, you're, you're down here. Okay. <laughs> Cameron, all right, stand up. Just stand off there a little bit, Banda. All right, uh, all right, turn around, Cameron. All right, turn around this way. Face this way. Face this. Turn around. <laughs> Face this. there. We go. Okay. Now, st- take a step back. All right, Davin, yeah. take another step back. All right, step up here. What do you think about jumping? You think he can catch you? No. You want to jump into his arms just let him catch you? No. You don't trust that he can catch you? Really? He's wearing like a. American flag kind of thing. No? All right, all right. Camera, scoot over that way. Banda, turn around, face this way. What about this? Y- yeah? You think he'd catch you? All right. Let's see if he can catch you. Here we go. Turn around, however you want to do it. He'll catch you any which way. fall. Here we go. Yeah! All right. You guys can have a seat. Let's give him a big hand. So here's what I want to see in this illustration, right? Is as Davin was up here and he was looking at Cameron, he's going, Cameron is not big enough to catch me. He's like, I'm not jumping off this stage, right? Because his view of Cameron was Cameron was little, and Cameron is little. But you look at Banda and he's like gargantuan. It's like everybody would jump into his arms, right? You see, the point is, is what's your view of God? Because if your view of God is big, if you understand who God really is, then we'll trust him for the stuff in our lives. Even though we may not understand why God's doing what he's doing, even though we may feel like if I don't get this, I'm in all kinds of trouble, and then we don't get that. But yet, if we understand God's character, that God is in control, that God is faithful, then we'll have less stress in our lives. It's a trust issue. I want to close with one final thought, um, going back to the story of Mary and Martha. What's interesting about that story is the story ends, and we don't know what Martha does. Does Martha keep making dinner? Does Martha keep yelling at Mary? Does Martha sit down and sit at Jesus' feet and not worry about dinner being made? What does Martha do? We don't know. And I love the fact that it leaves this open question mark, saying, what did she do? Because it leaves a question mark for us, that we can keep going through life the way we've been going through life, keep getting stressed about things because our life is too fast, we spend too much money because we don't trust God. We can keep going that way, or we can make a choice and say, I'm going to get to know God better. I'm going to have a bigger view of God. I'm going to understand Him and trust Him more. I'm going to slow down and do just the things that are most important. I'm going to prioritize well Or we keep going. We have this choice, and I love the fact that that story with Martha ends really with a question mark back to you, back to us, saying, what will you do? So, hey, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Lord, uh, just that you can teach us through so many different means and methods. I pray, God, that you would help us to trust you, help us to prioritize well, because God, we want to honor you with the way that we live our lives. We want to live life the way that you designed it to live. In Jesus' name, amen.